This episode is brought to you by Cloisonne. Now, everybody, I did an opener for this company for the Nicole LaLoya episode, and this time I wanted to mention it a little more personally. You may recall Mike Alden. He was one of my guests last summer here on NOL. He's my 5% more guy. Mike's truly a rags to riches story, and his company, Blue Vase Marketing, went literally from zero to millions. I really like Mike because he knows what he's doing, first of all, obviously, and he happens to be one of the most down-to-earth people that I've even met during this entire podcasting experience so far. He really cares about what he's doing, and he's extremely passionate about it. And for years, he's been doing TV and radio ads for his health supplements, including a multivitamin, a brain pill, uh, a pill for the guys out there, you know what I mean, and even a vitamin for your furry friends called Pawvite. So recently, Mike decided to start letting his actual customers who have been buying his product like crazy off of these TV and radio ads that he's been doing, he decided to offer them a chance to join his company and be an ambassador or a salesperson for him to expose their friends and family to his great products and have an opportunity to make some money from home or on the side. So Mike let me know about this opportunity because he knows how tough of a time I've been having monetizing Nothing Off Limits. And he also knows that I happen to be totally into health and fitness. So it was like a really good fit for me. So I went ahead and I tried some of the products a couple of weeks ago. So it's been almost a month now, including Clarazine, that brain pill, and the multivitamin called Alden Essentials. And I love them. I'm more focused. I feel more productive. I'm in a better mood, (laughs) which people around me are very happy to see. And I got to be totally honest with you and tell you that I would not sell something that I didn't actually believe in. So I tried them first before really, really talking about them. Now, Mike's company is the only direct response network marketing company to do a try it for free setup. So what this means is that you can actually try out the products for free before actually buying them. And no one else is doing that. So in my mind, that's proof that he believes in his products, which by the way, they are all totally natural, food-based, there's nothing synthetic in them. And I'm a huge ingredients person myself. I know a lot about herbs. I know a lot about vitamins and minerals. I'm always reading those ingredients lists and his formulas are fantastic. So I'm not in a position now where I have to sell anyone on a product that I'm not, you know, totally gaga for because you know what? You can just try it for yourself. See if you love it and then decide if you want to buy it. But the good thing is that if you do buy it, then I do get a commission for referring you as a customer and that is going to help me start supporting the production of the content that I do for all of you out there for Nothing Off Limits. Even if it's just a few extra bucks a month, that is a world of difference when I'm putting my heart and my soul and my time into creating all of this for you. So if you're somebody out there listening and you also would love the opportunity to make some extra money on the side while helping people feel better, feel healthier, then why don't you join me? 
consider it. Take a look at it. Try the products yourself. Go to my custom URL, which is ladyfox.cloisonne.com. That's spelled C-L-O-I-X-O-N-N-E. Click on the join me button. And then if you have questions as you're going through the process, email me, michelle at ladyfoxentertainment.com, and I'll walk you through it. Or if you just want to try the products as a customer, you're not interested in doing the sales thing, and you don't want to become an ambassador, or you don't want to make extra money on the side, that's okay. That's totally cool. I am more than happy to refer you to the products because I love them myself. So again, you can do the same thing. You can try them for free by going to my website, ladyfox.cloisonne.com. So I think I've said my personal mention enough, and I really, really want you guys and gals out there to check it out. Now, onto the show with my sweet and passionate guest for what she does for a living, Christine Baumgartner, relationship and dating expert. We're going to talk all about how best to handle relationship challenges. Do you like to learn about random wild stuff? You know, the things you didn't think you needed to know about, then realize you should. Then welcome to Nothing Off Limits, the podcast that gives you one place to go for something different. Impress your next party guest with your unusual body of knowledge. And if you dig the show, get more information at ladyfoxentertainment.com and subscribe, rate, or review. Thanks. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Nothing Off Limits. Today, we're talking all about relationship challenges and how to know if your relationship is worth repairing or if it's time to move on. And I'm so thrilled to have the awesome, delightful Christine Baumgartner back for a second time here on the show. As you may recall, Christine is a dating and relationship expert, and she works with singles who are ready to finally have a loving partner in their life and are willing to tackle what's been keeping that love away. Her clients say working with her helped them finally attract the committed, loving relationship that they were looking for. And she's going to be the right dating coach for you if you found yourself saying, hmm, I've been dating for a while and I'm still meeting the wrong people. I'm newly single and I don't know where to start. Or I've had many short-term relationships and now I'm ready for a long-term committed relationship. Christine's clients have found that she's committed to helping them gain the tools, encouragement, and support to help them finally meet their last love, and she would like to teach you as well. Her website is theperfectcatch.com. Lots of information on there. Welcome back, Christine. Thank you, Michelle. It is such a pleasure to talk to you again. It's just a delight. Thank you. Absolutely. I'm thrilled myself. And and I want to dive in because this is such an important topic. I was so glad when you circled back and you said, hey, let's do another episode. I was like, yes, because this is a big one that so many people I know struggle with, which is, you know, the, the potential breakup or just in general having relationship challenges. So I want to start, I guess, with the basics about when you first get into a relationship. What do you see when your clients enter into a new partnership? What's like the mistakes they make and or the good things that they should be doing? Well, the two things that seem to give us the most benefit or cause us the biggest problem is one, we're not really clear about what we need and want. Mm -hmm. I know everybody's made their lists, but the kind of lists I have people make is what do you have to have in the categories of mental, emotional, physical, and spiritual, and dig in to the traits that are really important to you. I mean, I have clients that say they have to have somebody with a college education. There's no apology for that. If that's really your requirement, then write it down. Right. If you want somebody who has your exact same religious belief, then write it down. Mm-hmm. Then just as clearly using the same four categories, write down what you cannot have. And no apologies for that either. If it's really something that 
goes against you or is a problem for you. I mean, mine, one of things is I can't be around cigarette smoke. It actually makes me nauseated. I've dated people that smoke pipes and cigars and pipes don't bother me at all. And cigars, it has to be, we work on it. But I know I can't be around cigarettes. So it's something that I always put in my profile. The other thing that I have people write within those lists is, what would you like to have? You know, let's form a little bit of a wish list. And that's when you can get kind of creative. Mm -hmm. So have some fun with it. Somebody who would love to go on, you know, trips to tropical islands (laughs) or um, loves to um, walk at the sunset or whatever, right? Yes, because what you're going to do is if you're going to use online dating, it's fodder for your profile. But what I also have clients do is they create questions using these things that are important to them to have and not have, so that during their first few times of meeting someone, in these wonderful roundabout ways that I teach them, they get the answers to if the person fits this criteria. Mm-hmm. And the thing that I, the list that I find that's the hardest for women is the last list to make is, what do you bring to a relationship? Mm. Why is somebody lucky to go out with you? And when they have trouble with that, I'm happy to help them. But I also suggest to ask some of your really good friends. I mean, the ones that love you dearly with your idiosyncrasies and your fabulousness to give you the reason that somebody is lucky to be in your company. Mm-hmm. Because here's the part that's the second part that we either do really well dating or really badly dating is we see somebody online or we see somebody across the room and on a scale of one to 10, they very quickly, especially in a woman's mind, I was talking to somebody the other day and she texted somebody, they'd been texting for a couple of weeks and they hadn't met or even talked on the phone. Ooh, that's too long. And honest, she was traveling and he was traveling, but yes, oh, okay. my recommendation to do it for so long. But what had happened, and it happens often for women, is I said, you know, honestly, there's no wrong answer, because I know what you're going to say. On a scale of one to 10, what kind of a number do you think he is? And she goes, oh, I think he's an eight or maybe an eight and a half. And I said, and tell me all the reasons and all all the right things he'd said. And she'd even done her due diligence and done a background check. And I said, so how are you feeling about this first meeting? This was just somebody I met in a casual, she wasn't a client yet, but she's going to be. Mm-hmm. How are you feeling about this first meeting? Well, she was beside herself because he's an eight and a half. And I said, you know, I'm sure he's a lovely person. And this is not meant personally about him. But every single man and woman I coach, when you're going to meet somebody for the first time, they need to, in your emotions, be a zero. Half a point. So, So this is interesting. So go in without trying to create this fantasy of who this person is in your mind. Like, oh, they seem amazing and they're attractive and all of that. And they've said all these really lovely things. Mm. And it's really great. And I want you to take all that into consideration. But what happens with our emotions when we let them get higher than a zero or a half a point when we first meet somebody, we start making up things about them. We look past red flags. We start twisting ourselves into a pretzel. Mm -hmm. And that is going to cause you such heartache from the beginning. So it, how, it so, never how, gets better. so what is your viewpoint then on chemistry? Because what if there's a natural attraction? <laughs> I love that you're cracking up. I had to crack up about chemistry. <laughs> so my initial 
comment about chemistry, I do have more, but my first one I tell everybody is if you have a lot of chemistry, I need you to turn around and run in the direction. <laughs> Thank you very much. <laughs> Why? There's a chemical that happens in our brain as women and we go temporarily insane. Okay. Dopamine. Is it dopamine? Yes. Or is it oxytocin or, or what is well, it? There's a combination of oxytocin, dopamine, and cortisone. Okay. It all mixes in this cocktail in our brain and we can't think straight. We just can't. It's a physical thing that happens to us and we have no, as much as we try, we don't have any control over it. Mm-hmm. Which is why I would imagine that new couples who have this extreme attraction to one another and then start having sex early uh, in the relationship, uh-oh, right? Very much uh-oh, because the there, okay, now we're going to have another problem of there's a difference between men and women, because men can have chemistry and they have a little bit of the in, temporary insanity that we have, but they have such a in-brain way of being careful about their time and energy and money that they don't give it away as easily and as unconsciously as we do. And because that's such a normal thing for women is we just give our time, energy and money away, always, not always with thinking about it. If we've now got this block of chemicals in our body, we will definitely keep trying too hard and working on this relationship that's not a relationship. I mean, when you meet somebody the first time, you don't know how, about them. You don't know if they're going to honor you. You don't know if they're going to be kind to you. You don't know if you have all the important things in common, no matter how much you've written and talked. Mm-hmm. And then when we stop paying attention to the problems, the potential problems, I call them pink flags that you need to pay attention to see if they become a red flag. Then we really ignore the pink flags. And when they turn into red flags, we continue to ignore them partly because of the chemicals. The chemicals. When partly because, well, now, especially if we've had sex with them, we're attached. Yeah. We're attached. And men do not generally get attached by having sex like we do. And we think they will fall in love with us because we're having sex with them, because we fall in love with them because we're having sex. But it doesn't work that way. And I will be very transparent that I used to say when I was single for those 20 years between my marriages, that I could have sex like a man. And I really did learn that I did. And the way that I had sex like a man is I closed off my heart. Right. So as a woman, you can't have sex like a man and close off your heart because you're not going to find love. Love cannot get through. That's part of, I did an episode on uh, masculine and feminine energies and sexual polarity and how important it is for a woman to keep her heart open and to be in that receiving space for the the man, you know what I mean? The masculine. And so it's interesting that you say that it's, it's very tied in with that whole concept. Very much. And the, the challenge that we have is when we have sex too early or we feel like we want to just close up our hearts so that we won't get hurt. There's no way for the us to tap into our femininity. It is blocked even from us, much less the man. And if this is a good guy, he wants us to have this feminine side. Yeah. He's looking for it. He wants to provide for it. He's drawn to it with his DNA. And if he can't find it, he's going to say, oh, 
well, I guess I'm not the right guy for her. Mm-hmm. Just the other thing that will help women when I say you need to keep them at an emotional zero, if you can really put together the list of who am I and why are they lucky that they're sitting across the table from me list, you won't jump so quickly. You won't move them up the number scale. I, either you say use a thermometer and it goes up to 10 or a sliding scale, it goes up to 10. You can keep them at a lower number until they've answered these really special questions about do are they polite to you and to the servers? That was a big thing to me because I am I need people to be nice to me. I'm a nice person and that's essential. So I had to watch to see if they would do that on our first couple times of meeting before I could move them up a number. Because I have to tell you, I was I'd move people up to eights and nines before I met them or after two hours of meeting them, and I learned that it wasn't working. I was my very first client, so that's. Mm-hmm. Because I love that. it's the hard way too. Yeah. And I like that you come from that space of like being through it yourself, which I think is so important for a coach. So you can really empathize with your clients when you work with them. Now, I'm I'm really curious, like when you first start dating someone and you're talking about all these these rush of chemicals and you know, you're having fun and it's kind of like the honeymoon period or whatever, how can you really know if you're dating somebody who in effect, is not right for you when everything seems so right. Like you just said, you think this person's an eight, eight and a half, nine. Well, what I have found, what I learned for me, which is what helped me meet my now deceased husband, but he was so good for me. And there's no comparison to the men I was dating who weren't right for me, is because I took it slow, because I made I gave him hurdles. I paid attention to go up the number scale that if anything had come up, because it certainly had, as I started having this awareness with men I dated before him, then I went, oh, that's a problem. Okay, let's see. Can we work through that problem? No, this is just who they are and they're not going to change. No, that's right for me. So if you don't make a leap, if you don't skip the rungs, if you don't jump from two to eight and a half, You'll see it. You'll absolutely see it. And sometimes this is one of those instinct questions because often I talk to women and they're like, oh, I don't think I have good instincts because I keep choosing so wrong. Mm. I'm sure there's somebody out there that has really bad instincts, but I haven't met them. (laughs) So, But then how can we, if we all have naturally good instincts, how can we trust them, learn to trust them more? Well, because we aren't trusting them. That's why we think we can't. So, okay, let's put up the scenario. You meet the guy, he's already a five, and now in person he becomes an eight, and there's this little instinct tapping you on the shoulder, going, you know, you you might want to find out about this, you know, not even mm-hmm. a concern necessarily, but you didn't know, you don't know about this yet, or there might be something that says, you know, I've noticed this, you might want to find out about that, and we ignore it because of this temporary insanity we have. (laughs) Right, temporary insanity. It's just what happens. It's just what happens. There's nothing we can change about these chemicals. So if we admit, okay, I know this is what's going to happen. How do I have it not harm me? So if you pay attention to those little instinctual things that say, just check this out. Just So when my husband announced, I don't know, I think it was our fourth date, that he'd been married twice before I was like, oh, really? Mm-hmm. We have a few questions I'm going to have to ask about this. And, you know, I asked very kind questions and he answered me very truthfully. And I learned over time that every single thing he said was 100% true. But if I'd been all gaga, 
a la Twitter, I don't know that I would have asked those questions. And those are really important questions for me to ask and have answered. So what I tell women is, I know you've been hurt over and over and over and over and over. And it's so sad and it's so hard and it's heartbreaking. And you think, I don't want to do this again, but I really want to find love. And how do I do that without doing this again? Okay, I'm going to close off my heart. Okay, I'm going to really be extra, extra careful. No, you're never going to find it. Yes. You have to be willing. But how do you do it safely? How do you do it safely is right, yeah. Because you, and- do you don't keep getting this slam hurt. Because when I meet women, I said, okay, tell me if this feels a little bit familiar. Picture, you're in a castle. The drawbridge is up with 400 locks on it. There's a moat with man-eating alligators. There's men on the top with big, big containers with boiling oil. And there are thousands of soldiers around surrounding the castle. He says, is that a little bit kind of sort of how you feel because of how many times you've been hurt and let down and <laughs> right. betrayed? And- well, yeah. And you get into this mode of feeling uh, like almost jaded a little bit. Like you said, closing your heart down. So like I see that as being jaded and then also having doubts. And so, and I want to dive into this idea of doubt because I feel like that's like a good safety mechanism for people to have um, in order to like slow down the attachment and all of that in order to make sure that the partner's right for them. But I think there's an issue with that because then if you, people can sense energy. So the other partner is going to sense that you're doubting and then it's going to create this vortex of tension, which is going to create a relationship challenge, wouldn't you say? Yes. And because a third of my clients are men, I do get the straight scoop from the other side. Mm-hmm. And what I know for sure is a good guy, the kind that we all want, is going to take one look at all of that and go, yeah, no, can't do that. That's too much. It's too much. It's too much for them to work through. It's too much for them to battle through. We've put up too the way we've decided to guard our heart and doubt is too much. So what I tell women is, when you're working with me, I'm not going to take one guard away. You leave them all in place. What I'm going to now teach you is how to be safe, how to address those doubts, how to learn where your instincts really are telling you the truth and how we'll pay attention to it and the kind of questions to ask and how to keep your number really low because you'll start going, oh, well, that's working. So meaning like you can open your heart to a certain degree and not expressing doubt so much to the partner. Let's say it's a woman who has the doubts, you know, she's been hurt. And so she keeps doubting the guy. He senses that. It seems like it would be difficult to do that. Like you're either doubting or you're not. Yes. Now, doubting, because it has so many different definitions. So is it, gosh, I'm doubting if I'll really pick somebody well, because I've picked badly so long, so many times in a row, or am I doubting because hmm, I don't know enough about him? Am I doubting because he did or said something? That's is, me- is he really as committed as he says he is? Mm. Am I doubting that he can go for the long haul? Mm. So what I teach women alongside where they've got all these guards up is how to address when a doubt comes up, how to really assess who the other person is, how to really see what questions do you really need to ask 
but in such a nice way. Yeah. How do you do that without putting someone on in the defensive? Because I have tried to ask things nicely and they're still misinterpreted as an attack or an accusation. Well, that is such a good point, Michelle. Boy, that comes up a lot. So, And I love that you deal a lot with men because that'll <laughs> help my lady listeners understand better how to frame a question. <laughs> oh, yes. Oh, men. Men, they're just the most adorable creatures because I only coach nice, good men. I mean, mm-hmm. there's shitty people out you there. You know, I remember that. I remember you said in your first interview with, with me and here on the show that you will not work with a man who is not a good man. Oh, yeah, no. And I can smell them out because I've really honed that part of my mm-hmm. instinct. So. I like that. So what men are thrilled about is not only when they talk to me that I get them, they go, wow, you really understand to talk to me like Twitter. Give me the facts, the bottom line in 144 characters. I got it. They love (laughs) I love your Twitter references. Thank you. Oh, it was given to me by a guy. I'm giving credit to him. Okay. Because I can be very long-winded. I know you're not surprised to hear that. Oh, no, not at all. (laughs) Then they also say, wow, you give me such insight of how women think and feel. Because I said, well, yeah, I'm a woman and a coach, so you get a double whammy. But the other thing they tell me is, oh, they're so grateful. They're so grateful that I explain to women how men think and the best way to talk to them, the best way to ask for something. Because a I'm going to tell every woman out there, and I know there's going to be people rolling their eyes and shaking their heads because I certainly spent years doing that until I figured out that I was wrong. A good guy only wants to make us happy. Mm -hmm. Only. That is his major goal. How can he provide for us something that will make us happy and appreciative of him and think he's a good guy? They're constantly trying to figure out what in the heck we want. Because the problem with women, and I apologize about us all the time to men, <laughs> is we uh, I'll sometimes say to a woman, well, what would make you happy? And they go, I don't know. Well, I think we need to Oh, fight. I know. <laughs> but I'm telling you, this is part of some of the problem is yeah. I'll and they'll say, I don't know. So let's use your example. So you tell me, one thing that would make you happy, and I'll tell you how to ask a guy. Okay. What would make me happy is knowing that I can completely trust him. And I love that. And if you had filled out one of my forms and you said one of the traits you want is trust. I Trustability. Then I would have had you say, write a sentence, because everybody gets to write a sentence. So what does trustability mean to you? How could they demonstrate that? What would they do or say mm-hmm. that you would now know <laughs> for yeah. that? thing he's trustworthy now i'm going to give him another thing so tell me what he'd need to do or say okay so he would need to uh stop looking at other pretty women while we are in public (laughs) while he's with me and know that that's a sensitive thing for me so make an effort even if he does look to not gawk you know what i mean and to make an effort to get closer to me and let me know that he's with me okay I think that is a very reasonable request, and you have lots of company in that one. I'm sure. Mm -hmm. There are some women out there. Like, I do know a few of my friends, they just have no issues around that. They're like, oh, yeah, whatever. And they, even as a couple sometimes, will comment on how hot other people are. I don't come from that. That's not for me. 
You know what I mean? And it's too difficult for me and it's a trigger for me to have to be with a man who's checking out other women. I understand that completely. And there is no apology needed for that. And what I'm explaining to people is we all have a manual, an operator's manual inside of us. And what you're doing is you're saying, okay, on this page, here's something that's really important in Michelle's operating manual. So how do you ask when you say, hey, you know, I would really... It would make me feel happy and it made me feel safe and secure if you didn't check out other women while we're together. And then immediately his response is, I'm not checking out other women. I never check out other women. What are you talking about? (laughs) Well, one of the traits that I encourage women to write on their list, it's not going to sound like I'm answering your question, but I'm going to get there, is that the man has to take your feelings seriously. Right. Wow. Huh. I, as a guy, know that I don't think I'm doing that, but wow, I care about this woman and she's really upset about this. So, hmm. Yeah, because I think that I was not taken seriously. I felt dismissed. Like, oh, that's, I don't even know what you're talking about. That's not a big deal, was the kind of response that I got. And it made it worse almost. And then. Yeah, like it got worse. It was enhanced. I was more attuned to it because I was like, wow, he just doesn't even think that this is a big deal. And that makes me feel worse. Well, first you feel dismissed because he's looking, because that's your personal reaction. It's just the facts. We're just reporting the facts like the news, like Walter Cronkite in the news. (laughs) And then when he says, no, you're not. No, that's not happening. Well, that feels even more dismissed. Right. And then he gets because it's impossible for the certain like scenarios that come up in my head for him not to have been looking like there were like actual like, like scantily clothed women like prancing right in front of him like, of course, he's going to look. Yes. Part of what we need to do as we're getting to know somebody is to know our stuff. We have to know our stuff. And we have to know how on a scale of one to 10, we'll go back to that. How big is this thing for me? And Personally, hmm, is there anything I, let's say it's an eight and a half, hmm, is there anything I could do, me personally, to get it to a five or a six? What can I do my personal work? Because I do that with clients all the time. We Mm -hmm. need our personal work. I mean, I tell people if you don't want to date somebody with baggage, then I think they have to be about three and a half. (laughs) We all have baggage. But our our personal job is to work on our baggage because I said when I turned around and looked at my personal baggage, when I thought, what's wrong with all these men? They keep showing up and having all this shit wrong with them and next, 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 that mine was really a big U-Haul truck that could have housed a family (laughs) well so it's smaller so it makes sense though that you do need to do your own personal work so so if trust is a huge thing with me then i need to learn to step back and be more trusting however if i'm constant work on that yes you're still going to have the issue i'm not the issue is going to remain because the triggers are still there and i'm still being dismissed so how do i ask for what i want so first i had to start with you because that's just the way it goes everybody gets to start with themselves then The way I talk about having a conversation with a man or with anybody, but certainly men, is you make it like a sandwich. So the bread, the first piece of bread is, I really appreciate that you bring me coffee in the morning and I really appreciate that you compliment me or I appreciate these. Something positive. Yes. And the middle is the junk. (laughs) See, and that's how we feel. But if we, and if we start out feeling that way, then it, turns into junk. So I help women and men switch it over 
So it really does feel like positive because if we know in our head, and it's hard to know that if you've had bad experiences, that this man really wants to please you, because generally they do, there are some that don't, but most of them really do, then if you say, hon, you know, when we're out and about, I get that there's really beautiful women, and I understand that it's impossible for you not to look, and what's hard for me is because I've done my work, but in my background, I have a couple of things still left over that aren't going to be gone. And so for me, if you could glance and look back and you know, what would be even better is if you glance and you look back and you say something wonderful about me and you go, you glance and you look back and you go, God, she can't hold a candle to you. Or you glance and you look back and you go, Oh, I can't wait to get you home and make love with you. Or he glances and he looks back and he goes, I am so lucky I'm with you. That Aww. would help. That would help a lot. But they don't know to do this. They don't know to do this. They're, they don't read our minds. We think they do. Well, they what, I, what I get is I'm not even looking to begin with. So what are you talking about? <laughs> like a denial that it even happened. So that's... It's, sounds like that he's not honoring your feelings. So then a conversation that, so there might be other times when you have felt he hasn't honored your feelings. Another conversation with a sandwich is, you know, it's very important to me when I talk about my feelings, even if you disagree, that you at least say, huh. I hear you. Yeah. And I teach men this. But I also teach women how to tell men this, because if he cares and he's done his work, because that would, if he keeps insisting, then his insecurities about as high as your insecurity in different areas. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because he's going to think that he's failing. Like, I can't make this woman happy. Yes, that is a true thing that men think. So that's why we do the sandwich. Here's all the things you're doing right. I tell women, if you could come up with 10 compliments for a man every day, he will do anything you ask him to change, anything. So if we've told him he's done these things right, and here's the thing that's making us uncomfortable, and here's a way that he can feel successful around it. So that's why I was saying, you say, I, get, I know you need to look. So would you glance and then turn around and say something nice to me? Tell me a compliment. I promise, and then we have to keep our promise, that I won't get upset about that. I could be okay with that because I know you need to look, but I need you to say something nice to me if you look. And then you have to say, and do you think you could do that? Mm -hmm. And then he gets to say, I'm not sure I'd remember. Wow, that would really be a new habit. That could be really hard. So are you willing to do it? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's says, a key. Yes, <laughs> yes. Then you say, what can I, Michelle, do to help you have success? What can I do? And if this was a healthy conversation, because I teach people to have this conversation, they would go, oh, I could never have this conversation with him. Yeah, you can. If he's a good guy and he really cares and he really wants to make you happy. Because then he would say, well, I think you need to, be a little patient because, you know, I'm going to forget. And could we have a signal? How about if you pull on your ear? 
That that's actually awesome. I love all this. But what if the the the, let's say in this scenario, that the guy just thinks that it's ridiculous and that just expects you to just deal with it and and not react anymore when you see him looking. So, I do get scenarios where the other person is always saying it's all your fault. Yes. Everything's yeah. like we wouldn't have any of these problems. We wouldn't be arguing about, uh, you know, girls and all this other stuff if you just trusted me. Well, you can't trust him if he isn't going to honor your feelings. That's, That's right. Part to trust for us. So it might be in that scenario that you're just not a match because you can't ask somebody to run faster than they can or jump higher than they can. They just can't. So it might be he can't do this for whatever reason. He's incapable of honoring your feelings about this or about other things. Because what I've learned is it always takes two people to make a great relationship and to make a screwed up relationship. Mm -hmm. So as long as two people keep hanging in there, and one of them keeps saying, it's all your fault, then the other one needs to decide, am I okay with everything being my fault? Or do I need to leave? Right. And the part I find when I talk to new clients is, and it was for me, there's often a thread, a commonality of a trait that has happened in a lot of our past relationships. And usually that ties back to us. It's a belief we have about ourselves, it's because it feels familiar, we at least know how to handle it, we think it's all we deserve, we don't even know there's anything else available, we, the old adage of you made your bed and you lie in it, you have to stay no matter what. Well, and right, and, well, and I think too, well, right, and I think a lot of people have those like traditional old school approaches to where they're like, well, if we love each other, then we're going to make this work. Yes. And I admire that. I mean, I've certainly had clients that were having a really tough time and we worked through to the end. Sometimes the end they stayed together. Sometimes the end they parted amicably, but it takes both people. I mean, when I was married the first time, my ex-husband out loud said, I think it's a really good idea. You're going to therapy. And when you come back and you're all fixed, things will be fine. Oh, well, that's not how it works. But I went because I did know I needed to do some things for me. And it was part of what helped me get my self-confidence up to ask more for what I needed and wanted and discovered he couldn't do it. It just isn't part of him. It just isn't part of him. Mm -hmm. And he wasn't a bad guy. He just couldn't do this. So he wasn't a match for me. So that's when you get your own self-confidence you can make that kind of a decision. Right. Or maybe he really can do it, but he's just resisting. And so it would require someone like you, like a dating coach or a relationship coach or a therapist to help mediate through those issues, right? And get both people to participate and to stop resisting on either side because they just don't think that that's necessary or right or whatever. And certainly a professional can ferret that out. I can ferret out if there's resistance and we can dig into why there's resistance because we all have old stuff that makes resistance. Sure. But the problem that we discovered, even in marriage counseling, was 
he never thought it was a, a problem. He didn't think he there was a problem. Mm-hmm. So until the other person says, well, gosh, I really want this marriage to work. And this is what would make her happy. Yeah, I get I have resistance to this, but it would make her happy. Is there any way I can adjust? And he couldn't. He just couldn't. I mean, one of the assignments, it's so benign now when you think about it, but we really worked up to this point, was in a month, he needed to make dinner reservations once. And we came back and he hadn't. And that was when I went, oh, yeah, I guess this really isn't ever going to work. Wow. That's simple. That's like a simple thing to do. Yes. But but the outcome shows me even to do this very simple thing wasn't important enough for him to do to have me stay. Mm -hmm. And it really calmed me down and went, well, this is just the facts. This is the facts. Yeah. We've given it the best shot. We've tried everything. So it is worth at least, like if there is resistance and one or or both partners are having resistance on either side to work through a specific issue, or there's denial that it's even there, don't want, like brush it under the rug. Let's just like, like we always get along. So let's just like, like we don't need to talk about that anymore. Both people have to be committed to the relationship being happy and healthy. And if one of you is not happy it's not gonna it's not gonna last own work about it then it really does still take two people yeah how long does it normally take when you're working with a couple i guess it would vary widely depending on how deep their issues are right and how resistant they are and what the issues are and i have run the gamut in these eight and a half years of one person did have more stuff or a higher number on some of their stuff. And we had to work individually as well. Okay. So there might be one person who has more triggers, more, more things that more baggage than the other, or maybe both partners have both have tons of baggage. And it's kind of complementary baggage where like one automatically triggers the other and back and forth like a ping pong effect. Well, I'll tell you, Michelle, I have seen that so often in relationships that we often attract the person that will point out something inside of us that needs to be healed. (laughs) Yeah. That, but often that's when we go, Oh, well, what do I need to work on this? Because this is my stuff. I need to really look at this and work on this. Yeah. And how will this other person be, while I'm working on it, will they be supportive, or will they will they purposely trigger it? Purposely, who would want somebody in their life that you and I know? If we tell each other it bothers us, we'll go out of our way not to do it. But there's some people; it's just who they are as a person. That if you tell them, "Here's my weak spot," they will look around and try to poke on it even more. Yeah, you don't want somebody in your life like that. You just don't. If you're paying attention to your instincts and not having all the big chemical reactions mm. and you have your list of things to look at and you think they have to prove that they're worthy for me. Yeah. They do. Yeah. And they don't act- They have to be willing to put that effort in to honor the things that are your weak spots and not just write off their reactions or their actions to, oh, that's just who I am. Like that's never gonna change. And well that is a very okay thing for them to say. It's just we have to believe them, especially men. 
men say their truth the majority of the time. I know I'm going to get lots of poo and lying. <laughs> and yes, there are lying men, but the majority of the time that I hear the conversations, because I'll have couples go back, let's go back. Where was the initial misunderstanding? Where was the initial uh, thing that caused this now to be here like a snowball? And often, often, it was a misunderstanding. Often, it was the way that he said it. It was the way she said it. It was the way they interpreted it. But yes, there are people that, they're bad people, and there's people that we're not a match for, and there's people we can work through and have a great relationship with. Yeah. And again, I think it's helpful to have a third party on the oh. outside that does not know either of the couple very well. Because if somebody's super close to one of the partners and then tries to be the mediator, it's they're going to obviously favor that partner. Yes, both people have to trust that the third person has both of their best interests at heart. Yes the individuals, as well as the relationship. Because we're working on three relationships here. We're working on your individual relationships with yourselves and the relationship together. Mm -hmm. That's what's really important is to find a third person that can do that. Can you give us a success story of a couple who came in and their relationship was seriously, seriously on the rocks and you helped them repair it and now they're still together today? <laughs> Wow, that's such a good question. Because really, really serious, really serious is... Subjective, I get that. But no, it's it's hard because there's so much that has happened. So many hurt feelings. Yes. So... Yeah, when it becomes that snowball and you're at that point where you're like, man, I don't even know if we can move forward because there's just been so much crap that like, how do we let all of that go and start fresh? How is that even possible? It is possible. It is the hardest. But there's a saying in in the Japanese culture where if like a piece of beautiful piece of um, like a vase breaks and they repair it with gold, liquid gold, because the break is a special place that it's everything isn't perfect, but it's even stronger than it was before. But it that takes such special people that really want to put in the really, effort if they've both given up it's very difficult if it's only one that's given up i've had better success mm -hmm. and what happens is that we dig back through all the the hurts all the misunderstandings they hear oh the way that he talked to her was the only way he knew how to talk and he wasn't saying mean, but it feels picked on. It feels mean. It feels dismissive. And so first I help her hear, well, what if this is what he really meant? And they'll go, oh, because I'll wait if they don't think that. Okay. But most of the time they'll go, oh yeah, I guess he could have felt that way. That makes sense to me. So if I can see a crack in the door like that, then there's often hope. If she can't see that, or that's not even an option, then I've, that's how I've helped them divorce amicably. Mm -hmm. Because I had a couple, I mean, I'll go back to the success one, but the other one just popped in my head so loudly that they came to me and they lived 
mm, about two and a half hours apart. And they've done this now for six years. They're married. They're living apart because of where their jobs are and his kids. Okay. And they got married knowing this was how it was going to be. And they were going to visit back and forth. And it was probably going to be for a while. And he really didn't like it. And he kept pressuring her to spend more time where he was. And he also didn't like coming up to hers place as well because it didn't feel as much like home for him. So one of the things we tried was making her place feel like home for him. But the other part was, could he, what would be the minimum, if he could have everything all his way, what would be the minimum for him? And if she could have everything all her way, what would be the minimum for her? And it was so far apart, Michelle. It wow. was so far apart. And when we talked about it, it had been that far apart from the beginning. Guys think as long as we're not complaining all the time, we're happy enough. And we think men are going to change. And <laughs> they don't. They just don't, generally. I mean, it's not that they can't. But we need to go into the relationship believing they're going to be this way. I used to say I was looking for somebody that thought my idiosyncrasies were charming, which my deceased husband did, thank God. But I'm sure. So they ended up parting, but very amicably, more than they could have imagined. They said that they felt like they went back to being the friends that they had. When they- That's nice because they were able to acknowledge, like, the, or they became very aware from the outside. They were able to see it holistically and be like, oh, now we see why this wasn't working. Yeah. And be nice to each other about it. Because they were just beating their head against a wall mm-hmm. and expecting it to open and be a door. And there, yeah. was, there was not a door on either side. And so, they loved each other so much. And that was not enough because of these core pieces that each of them had. Wow. So the one that was a success, and it's gonna it's not gonna sound like they were in as big a trouble, but they really were when they got to me. She was ready to end it. They'd been together for 12 years and they traveled and they'd been living together, but everything he did made her mad. Everything was just too awful, and she just couldn't get over it, and he just knew he couldn't make her happy. And how was this ever gonna work? And they were ready to just call it quits. And Yes, there were certainly layers of things in this communication, but I'll tell you, Michelle, the big thing she wanted, she finally tells me, because I kept saying, tell me what you want, tell me what you want, what would make you happy? And we dig and dig and dig and dig, and she finally gets to the crux after we get through all these layers, because that's what you have to do, like an onion. She didn't want to be married, but she wanted to be engaged. She wanted the ring. Mm -hmm. And I said, oh, do you think he knows that? She goes, I don't know. I said, well, I think it'd be a really good thing to tell him. I'm surprised she never dropped a hint or anything. Well, no, see, but oh my God. I love that when women say that because men do not understand subtle, (laughs) don't understand innuendo. That I know. They want clear, direct 144 characters. If they understand clearly what we want and they understand how they could give it to us and will say thank you after, they will stand in front of a speeding bullet. If you could see men listening to this, they'd be nodding their heads. I mean, mm-hmm. men are just, oh my gosh, somebody understands this. So well, Yeah, because they probably, most men probably think, I don't know what the heck this woman wants. Oh, they tell me that all the time. And so I'll say, well, tell me what she said. And because I'm a woman, I understand completely what she means. Mm-hmm. And so then I explain it in man speak. And he goes, 
well, why didn't she say that? I said, because she doesn't know. She thinks that if you love her enough, you'll just know. She thinks if she says it in this obtuse way, you're going to understand. She <laughs> thinks she can read her mind. Every woman thinks a man can read their mind because we think we can read theirs. I don't. I'm glad. Yeah. And I'm actually, I'm probably like a, a an anomaly because I'm very direct and I'm very specific about what I want and how I want it. Well, it's almost manly in the way that I communicate. So I get frustrated when it's not interpreted correctly because I feel like I'm being extremely direct. So my concern for you. So I'm going to finish that. She did our conversation. She told him, you know, I, I don't want to be married, but I really it would make me feel cared about and secure if I had an engagement ring. And he went, OK. And a week later, he asked her to marry him and gave her a ring. Wow. So that's the way it goes normally. But for you, Michelle, with what you just said, I would say that's hard on men if you talk to them like a man. They don't want you to talk to them like a man. They do want you to tell them what you want, but they don't want you to be drugged and they don't want you to be... <laughs> well, right, because that goes back to the energies where it's like masculine to masculine and then they're like, whoa. Yeah, no, it's not engaging. It's not... It doesn't pull them in. It doesn't encourage them to go, wow, she really needs me to provide for her. Now, I know we don't need men to do stuff for us. We can do stuff ourselves. The whole feminist movement, the good part and the bad part, because the bad part is men don't have a place in the world if we're not telling them what they can provide for us. Mm -hmm. They feel useless. But it's the way we tell them. We either tell them vague or we tell them that it feels like an order. What we need to tell them, <laughs> oh, I love that you laugh. Yeah. And I, 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 I every woman is the same, I swear. Yes. Well, we get to that point where it does have to become an order. <laughs> or we feel like it needs to be an order because See, they're not hearing us. And yes, that can happen. But the majority of the time it doesn't. If you're asking properly, mm -hmm. they hear it. So one of the hard things we have as women is we've thought about it for a while. We've got we're really clear what we're going to ask for. And we tell them. And then we wait for a whole 30 seconds, which feels like three hours to us. Mm -hmm. And if they haven't given us the answer, we think, oh, I probably just have to ask it a different way. And then we wait another maybe 15 seconds and then we ask it again. So I'm going to give you an insight into the mind of a man, a good guy who wants to make you happy, and you say, I really would like you to, when you were out and about and you look at a woman, and I would like you to then turn back and say a compliment to me, would that be okay? And you biting your nails and all tense, wait for your 30 seconds, and he doesn't say anything, and you ask him again, in his head he's gone, okay, not a defensive guy, but okay, she really wants me to do this. Let me think about it. Could I do it that way? Because I really want to make her happy. I have to think about it. So he's really thinking about it because this is really important to him. And he wants to give you the correct answer, not a fake answer. That's not why they're waiting. They're waiting because they want to tell us the truth. They want us to be able to trust them. So they're thinking. And then what happens when we think, why isn't he talking? I need to ask him again. His mind is going down the process of getting to an answer. And then he goes, oh, wait, she's talking again. 
okay, I have to talk, listen about this question. Yeah. I've actually, to- I've actually had that said to me where it's like, you just keep talking and talking and talking. So one of my favorite people is Alison Armstrong. And one of the things she talks about for women is when you ask a question of a man, you need to put invisible duct tape on your mouth and you need not to take it off until they say something. <laughs> they might actually eventually say, I have to think about it. Or they might just sit there. Yeah. Now, I had a funny thing happen a number of years ago. I was at dinner with friends and the waitress had gone through the whole litany of the specials. And I'm thinking, and my friend next to me said, you need to tell her you're thinking. And I was like, oh, she doesn't know that. She thinks I'm just giving her a blank stare. So from then on, I look at them and I go, hmm, I'm thinking. I'm down to three because I could take away four of them, but there's three I'm thinking about. And they go, okay. So I teach men if they can get it out, but it's they don't multitask well. So to say I'm thinking while they're thinking is hard for them. So I tell women they're thinking, leave them alone. Don't say anything. Wait, just wait, because it's hard on them to keep interrupting their mm-hmm. thinking. Totally. If you want an answer, leave them alone. I love that advice. I really do. And I'm sure there are going to be a lot of people out there who are going to take advantage of that one. I have another question for you. And it's it's related to the couples who have longstanding challenges. And like, they're, they're the couple that seems to always have an issue. And so on both sides, like the friends of the woman and the friends of the guy are both seeing one side of these troubles. And so then it gets to the point where like, there are really no friends who truly support them being together. (laughs) So what do you do about that? How do you handle friends who don't support the relationship or don't want to see one of you putting more effort into it? Oh, that's such a good question, Michelle. (laughs) Best questions. (laughs) So I'm going to back into this question. My advice, and I know this is really, 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 really hard is to not tell anybody you're having a problem with your relationship. (laughs) What if it's already been done? I I know, I know. That's why I'm back. I said I'm backing it. Yeah. I'm going to go to that part. But but I have to start with if this was the optimum place and maybe next time everybody cannot tell everybody about it. Because yes, they're your friend. They are going to jump on your side. Yeah, of course. They're going to hate them. Well, then what happens if you get back together? They didn't have whatever epiphany the two of you had. They didn't have an intimate conversation where you both said, geez, I really realize I haven't been listening. Oh, I hear I haven't been hearing. And here I can make an agreement with you and we can do this so much better. Your friends don't know about that. So they're still pissed. Right. Or they just want something. They think that you need to move on because they want to see you not be so upset. They want to see you be happy. They want to see you not have these issues. You know what I mean? They want you to just be the same person that you were prior to these issues. They also don't want to see you get into a relationship, honestly. I think a lot of people try to hold back their friends subconsciously because they don't want their friendship to change either. Oh, that is such a challenge. Yeah, I was um, went through the literacy program where you teach people to read that don't know how to read. And one of the things they stressed, and it was the very first person I taught, their family kept sabotaging because they'd been the person they'd been dependent on and they didn't want them to get to independent. Uh-huh. So that's what happens with friends. They're happy that you are single and can spend time with them or 
you're they're single and they don't want you to get in a relationship mm-hmm. and it's or it's a routine of you know like three four times a week you get together and then that changes because now they have a partner and they want to spend the majority of their time with that person as they're getting to know each other so one of the things to do and i tell people to use sort of the same kind of list with your friends of what you have to have in a friendship and what you can't have in a friendship and one of them is that you could come to an understanding that first you would be happy for the other person you could be sad for you but you could look past that and be happy for the other person the other thing is that they could you could say to them i just need to spend 10 minutes complaining and then i'm going to feel better and I don't want to complain about it anymore. And I want you to not think badly of the other person. I just need to unload because that's what women do a lot. We feel better if we just complain. But if you frame it that way and you've checked out that you have friends that can do this, we used to have friends, I have these two wonderful girlfriends and we used to set a timer, 10 minutes. You complain all you want for 10 minutes and then you have to say you feel better and then we're done with that subject. And if it was a really big subject, you could complain for 15 minutes. But it was a great agreement because we didn't get all huffed up about the person they were complaining about. Mm-hmm. It was very helpful. Yeah. But to sort out, do you have the kind of friends that have your best interest at heart? Right. Or theirs. Or theirs. Exactly. And I think that that becomes apparent over time because at first they may seem supportive, but it's really, they really don't want you to to do that, you know, and that does happen. So, and also with family, I think yeah. that, you know, if, if a partner is really close with family and tells the family about every single problem that happens, then the family starts kind of putting a wall up to you as well as the partner, even if you do work it out or you are working things out, then they kind of see you a certain way. And it's one of the benefits about having a third party to talk to. Right. Because you don't invite us to Thanksgiving dinner. We're not going to tell anybody. (laughs) Right. (laughs) And the other thing to know is not only are you checking out your friends, but one of the things on my list was I wanted somebody who had long time friends. And one of the I got lots of really good information when my husband told me about his two marriages prior to meeting me was how did his friends deal with his two divorces and what did they think of the other women and how did Tony talk about his ex-wives who, to be totally transparent, I told him you married really well the third time because they came to our house for birthdays and Christmas because my husband had a child with each one of them. They were mothers of his children. So why wouldn't I have them over? And it was really interesting which friends he'd had to let go because they couldn't get past that he was going to still be on friendly terms with them because he'd had children with them. Mm, Wow. How do you, as well as everybody else around, deal with the exes? Because that will also tell you how they're going to deal with you fight. If you have a fight, how are they going to deal with a fight? Yeah. the history has been, yeah, they haven't liked any of my girlfriends and boy, they are so glad when they're gone. You're like, well, I think that's something to pay attention to because I'm not going to be different. We all think, oh, I'm going to be the different one. I'm going to be the reason they're going to change. Well, yeah, no. <laughs> Good point. I'm here to tell you, no. Right. Wow. Only I mean, they think they have a problem. That's the only reason people change is if they think they themselves see something. 
that they want to change their life. Yes. It has to be harming their life. I tell people I have to hear a client, a potential client say, I've had it with blah, or I've right. had it about blah. Like I'm, I'm tired of having uh, such intense trust issues, or I'm tired of the fact that I always blow up and start yelling when I get frustrated about something. Yes. Or I'm tired of, you know, not accepting me as who I am. I'm tired mm-hmm. of them always turning into a fight. I'm tired of not feeling respected. I'm tired of meeting only unavailable men. I'm tired of whatever I've had it with. Then it's the door has opened. That's that good. They will so- trust me to say, I know because I lived it and I watch it happen every day. It can be different. This I love that. is the piece that you need to have in your life that I've had. You know, it's when anybody's going to lose weight or stop smoking. They have to get to the I've mm-hmm. had with my clothes smelling or I've had yes. having to not be able to play with my grandchildren. I mean, whatever it is that builds up, then we're going to do something about it. And then yeah. you just need somebody that knows, well, what do I do? Right. I like that because I think that's that point you said when you've had it and you are just like, I can't deal with this anymore. That's actually a really key turning point for potentially repairing a relationship. And I think maybe a lot of couples don't see it that way. They think, oh, if I've had it, then it's over. Yes. And they just have to have had it with all these occurrences, you know, and and they can certainly have had it with the other person. And I've helped people turn it around if they've had it with the other person, if both people have had it and are willing to listen, if both people still want it to work, if both people think they want to give it another try, they want to at least hear, or they at least think, well, let's part friends. I've had people that had turned around, but they came convinced they were going to get a divorce. And the couple that got div- that I told you about that got divorced really thought they weren't going to get divorced. They were going to work this out. Wow. wow. But they really realized they couldn't. Yeah. They would be miserable forever. I love that you work with couples to really kind of peel back the onion, find out what the core issues are, really help each other communicate better. Um, it's, you know, just saying about communication is so important, like in a general way is not helpful because everybody knows that, but how to do it is so important. And I love that you work with couples to really either repair what the challenges are or figure out how to nicely respect each other and walk away from the relationship. That's amazing work that you do. Thank you. Thank you. It is my joy, my joy. And I have a feeling that a bunch of my listeners are going to be calling you now. (laughs) I have a few friends who are like, oof, I don't know about this relationship I'm in. So um, we can just check it out. out. It's like going to the doctor and getting a checkup. I can do the checkup. I mean, and I talk to them for free. You know, I I offer that complimentary conversation. That's amazing. And then sometimes I get people who say, what do you think about us being away from each other? And I said, well, what I want them to try the first go around, because, you know, it's an ongoing process, is let's make when we're together, this is the time to really air the complaints and work on the complaints and work through some complaints. And I'll give you some tools to have it to not have the same outcome when you're at home. 
And then the time away is the time away from fighting, the time away from nagging, the time away from finding fault, that you work at looking for the reasons to stay. You look for the reasons that it's working, both people consciously doing that. Mm-hmm. Because away from each other, you can't work on your relationship. Right. You How can you work on your relationship if you're not together? You can't. You can't. And that's, I'm so glad that you brought that up because I do think a lot of people think, oh, well, it, we, maybe we just need some space. And that's always been like a, that's a, a trigger for me where I'm like, what? How does that work? How do you work on the relationship if you're creating space? You know, so I like that you just said you create some tools around the issues. Try to work on those first and and work through it, literally work through it. And then the time away is only when like you're doing something else, but you're not ruminating on the problems while you're away and in creating a, a space between your hearts. It's about having the intention, the full intention to make it work. Yes. You put a pin in it. You make lots of notes. Okay. This was the issue came up. I'm going to write it down and we'll bring it up on with Christine next time. And then we'll work through it. And what I found over time is the the issue will come up and they'll go, oh yeah, we have that tool. Okay. Let's try that tool. Mm-hmm. I love oh, that. It doesn't blow up in our face. I want oh, some tools. Yeah. <laughs> you know that I tell people that's why when you go to Home Depot, there are rows of screwdrivers. Not every screwdriver fits every job. Mm-hmm. We all have a toolbox and we have tools because we know how to get through our life and we have our talent. People know how to do stuff. I have no idea how to do. I am so happy to hire people to do the stuff I don't know how to do. <laughs> but I have lots of relationship tools and I customize them. I go, okay, here's the tool for this situation. Like when I talked to you about how to do the conversation and I didn't finish the sandwich because when you say there's the good things, Here's what I would like you to do that would make me really happy. And then you always say, thank you for listening. And then when they do the thing, whatever it is, you say, thank you. Thank you for taking my opinion so seriously. Thank you for listening. Because the one thing, one of the many things I've learned about men is besides they feel like they can't win with women, they feel so underappreciated so appreciated now i know women feel underappreciated too and i teach women to ask for it say i'd love for you to say thank you for making me dinner we're gonna go why do i have to ask they should say thank you well how's that working for you i know i sound like dr phil it's not working at all so if you ask they'll say they're learning thank you for for saying that i love that if you keep rewarding them they'll do it and if you keep asking, you get the appreciation. Yeah, maybe it doesn't feel like 100% appreciation, but it's way better than nothing. Than nothing. Like 50%. Exactly. My husband was so excited that I told him I love getting flowers. But the house was filled all the time because I told him how happy it made me and I made a fuss every time he did it. So whatever it is you like, you just keep saying, I really like this and they'll keep doing it. So when we appreciate men in this way, then when we say, gosh, you know, I really need you to do this. Or they'll say sometimes they're very dense and they're very hard headed and they are single focused. So they totally forgot whatever it was you told them to do. And part of your agreement is you're going to remind them. But then you say, you know, this isn't working. You know, we tried this agreement and it's not working. So how do you think we should do this differently? So we're still not 
angry. We're still not pissy. We haven't saved up. We're like, okay, maybe we just need to do another tweak. Let's ask Christine for a different tool. Mm-hmm. Course correction. I tell people, if course you ride, correction, yes. If you ride a bicycle or sail, you never go straight. Never. You will fall over. You have to. Course correction is just part of being a human being. So we go, oh, this is working this way. Well, no, boy, I didn't get enough sleep last night. I used to warn Tony. Oh my God, don't pay attention to my tone of voice because I did not get enough sleep last night. And he was grateful. Because he was like, oh, crap, is she mad at me? No, I'm just tired. Or I forgot to eat lunch. I finally set a timer on my phone. Everybody laughed at me. They never had to remind themselves about lunch. But I had moved in and was unpacking and working all these crazy hours. And I would forget to eat until 4 o'clock and I'd be starving. So I finally put a 1 o'clock alarm on my phone and I had to get up and eat. But before that... I would be this grouch and he'd go, why? So that would be, we're newlyweds. And I go, because I haven't eaten. So I'd eat and then I'd warn him. So he was grateful about that. So that was how I learned my stuff and how to tell him my stuff. He said, I'm really glad I met you after you learned all this stuff. I said, I know, between that and the hormones, you're a lucky guy. (laughs) That's hilarious. You are so fun. We had our stuff. We did. I'll I'll tell you the story. My clients always want to, always love this story. I'd say, Tony, if you say this in this way, it would really make me happy. And he goes, oh, I just don't get it. I can't remember to do it. Write it down. So I said, okay. So if I say this, you say that. If I say this, you say that. And he made it little and he laminated and he kept it in his wallet. And he'd drag it out. And I go, oh, that makes me feel so good. And Wendy, I can't even remember. I was so upset about, I don't know what, something not even that big. And the poor guy comes home and I start in. (laughs) And I said, and you better get that goddamn thing out of your wallet. And you better start reading it because I'm really Mm -hmm. mad. This is not my finest hour as a coach, but at least y'all know I'm human. Mm -hmm. So he gets out the list and he's going back. And I mean, a video of how do you not do this? How awful is this? And after, I don't know, six minutes, I started laughing. And he looked at me. I said, oh, my God, I'm not doing this the way I coach. And you're not doing it the way I asked you. And there's some place inside of me that's going, he's saying the words. It makes me feel so cared about. I'm so happy. And I laughed. Because even doing it in all these, I'm using air quotes, wrong way, I felt cared about. Because he at least had the thing in his hand and he was reading it. So you can imagine how wonderful it is oh, if they, gosh, yeah. if you can work it out to do it in the smooth oh, way. But man. I want to tell people that even in the roughest, weirdest way, I would have never imagined. I'm so grateful it happened to me that I can say, even when you're just baby learning how to do this, like, oh, I'm never going to get it. Just do it. Because yeah. look at the success I had with yeah. that. And don't expect it to happen I overnight. I stopped being mad. Yeah, I cracked up. Right, but not that's not going to happen for everybody. And I think that for people out there listening, you should be a little more realistic about because you were very self aware and you were able to see it quickly. Oh yes, we're we're so new at this. Nobody taught us this. I mean, there's so many misunderstandings between men and women. One of the little teeny tweaks I give women is if you were in your girlfriend's kitchen and she said, could you take out the trash? You'd think nothing of it. You'd pick up the bag and you'd take it out. But if you say, could you take out the trash to a guy in the back of his mind, he's like, really? Does she think I don't know how? Does she not trust me? (laughs) 
It's just how they think. Yeah. So I tell women it's best, just improved, to say, would you please yeah. take the yeah. trash? Now, the other thing guys might do, they just crack up that I know this, is he'll go, <laughs> the trash. <laughs> I tell women, ignore that because he's talking himself into it because they're very careful. <laughs> oh my God, you're right. And they do, they complain, but that's their way of talking themselves into it. <laughs> because they need to know that this is really <laughs> worth their energy. Oh my so gosh. Then they leave and they come back and then they're going to stand there. And you need to say, thank you so much for taking out the trash. I didn't have to go out in the dark. It makes me so happy. And the women go, why do I have to thank him for taking out the trash? It's his <laughs> too. I said, well, do you want to take out the trash? Yeah. Do you want to keep taking out the trash? Yeah. Then say thank you. Yeah. But to want to take out the trash. that, And he may not respond the way you want him to either. Like if you say thank you, honey, for taking out the trash, he may, like, he may still grumble. Oh, sure. They they might dismiss it, but they like it. You know, the thing to, to not listen to their words, but watch their chest. Because when you say thank you to a man, when you appreciate a man, it's um, unconscious, their chest puffs up <laughs> every time. That's hilarious. If you wait and let a man open a door for you and say, thank you, you made my day, watch their chest, it puffs up. I love it. Because they're underappreciated. They're so underappreciated. Yeah. So we have walked away today with so many wonderful tips. Oh, we've gone way past my normal limit on my length of my episodes. So I think people are going to get chock full of information here um, to walk away with. And I want to encourage everyone out there listening to please go to Christine's website because there's a lot of great information on there and reach out to her and she will give you that free consultation. It's theperfectcatch.com. And Christine, I want to thank you again for taking time to come on the show for a second time and to share all of these great ideas and quips and you're just so fun and I love your passion for helping couples. Thank you. I I want people to find the love of their life, that they can love them and be loved back and if they're in a relationship, let's make it happier. I yeah. mean, really, isn't that the goal of Yes, let's world? do it. I feel like it's my little piece to <laughs> world be better. I love it. And you are doing it successfully. Thank you so much once again. Have a great topic you'd like to hear discussed on an upcoming episode of Nothing Off Limits? Email us at ideas at ladyfoxentertainment.com. In the meantime, please subscribe, rate the show, and go to ladyfoxentertainment.com to sign up for our email list and to check out our resources page. Thanks so much for listening. Talk to you next time.